right, let's kick this thing off. Welcome, listeners, to the Three Two One Go podcast. Uh, we're very excited to be joined today by Justin Weiss. He's the CEO and founder of Think Digital, thinkdigital.co. Justin, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show, my man. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. So, listeners, uh, Justin and I were just bemoaning a terrible workout that, that was being done <laughs> in his gym this morning. Uh, Justin, why don't you catch us up with that? Well, I'm I'm... So I'm guessing it was miserable, but when I saw it, I didn't. I was like, "I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not going in." Yeah, no, I, I've I've had plenty of those days. I I have the luxury though. I own my gym, so yeah. not going in. I just make something up. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm overloaded with emails. Can't train today. Yeah, no. I was clear. I was like, "No way. I'm not going. That's not happening." <laughs> so, uh, so Justin, um. Catch us up to speed on what you do at Think Digital. So our company really does three things. We do social education, we do social ads, and we do social content. And uh, there's really kind of three legs to our company, and, and the, the, the three I just mentioned. And social education is for... Um, We've created a, a coaching, digital coaching program, and it basically walks people through our system that we use in our agency from start to finish. Uh, so it basically teaches you. So a gym owner might, you know, um, enroll in one of our one of our courses, and and we'll teach them our system for digital marketing. It's the same marketing system that we use on the social content side of things, which is what we call our done for you digital marketing. So a business will call us up. They'll say, Hey, um, we know that social media is important to our business. We know that blogging is important, but we don't have the time or the, or the desire or the drive to do it ourselves. So you guys just do it for us and we do it for them. So we create the content, we upload schedule and manage it. And we do audience engagement as well. And then social ads uh, is something I'm super excited about um, because basically, you know, anymore, like if you go to Amazon and you look for something on Amazon and then you go to Facebook, what do you nine times out of 10 typically see? Well, you see the product you just were looking at on Amazon. That's social ads. And so that's what we do for companies and businesses that want to kind of increase their exposure or, you know, um, get in front of new people, but don't quite know or have a handle on how to do digital ad placement. So we do that for them as well. In fact, I kept seeing, I told Clay this, uh, I was like, Clay, I see you all over Facebook. What's your targeting like? Who are you targeting? <laughs> and um, so we had a good discussion on that. But that's really, as a company, that's what we do. Those are our three kind of main buckets. That's great, Justin. So I certainly want to unpack the the technical aspects and maybe get into some strategy and maybe leave some of our listeners with uh, maybe one tactic that they can go back and see a quick win. But first, uh, you know, I love talking with entrepreneurs. This show is is for entrepreneurs and you being an entrepreneur yourself I'd like to hear what your journey has been like uh, from starting your own agency. Were you were you an employee somewhere else, and then kind of went on to found Think Digital, or is this something you've always wanted to do? Um, this is I'll give the abbreviated version. So, <laughs> long story short, I went to school. My college degree is electronic media, which back in two thousand three that 
didn't mean what it means now. You know, back then it meant like you know, learning how to edit video on computers um, and doing, you know, radio and television production and that kind of stuff. So, in fact, we had to teach our professor HTML coding. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> She was just, you know, she's this old, grizzled, gnarly communications professor who's seen everything. And then they stick her in a intro to HTML class, has no idea, so we taught her how to do it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Dr. Joyce Chen, she's like a, a, a legend at the University of Northern Iowa. But anyway, um, so I, I graduated in 2003 with, with that sort of degree, thinking I was going to go into television. And through a long series of events, um, that didn't happen. And, uh, I ended up kind of drifting around for a while and then actually landed a job, uh, as in a church. So I worked at a church for a long, long time. And when I was at the church, I started to experiment with, um, uh, like social media. I mean, this is back in 2007, 2008. Twitter had just launched. And it was really appealing to me specifically because, you know, like I said, it, my degree, social didn't exist back then, but it was like the beginnings of social, uh, you know, websites and all this kind of stuff. And so I had an interest in it and started experimenting with it. And I, I was like, hey, I actually like, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but I like doing the social media side way more than I like doing <laughs> the rest of this other church stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, we still go to that church. It's great and fine and love all the people there. But in terms of an interest of what drove me, that was way more interesting. So I left uh, church staff with this idea in mind that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help organizations kind of get their hands dirty with social um, I worked for another organization where we helped nonprofits do that. Great organization, Monk Development. And then I realized um, a couple of years in, like, I could do this for myself. Um, and so that was kind of the genesis, the beginning of Think Digital. And so I left in 2013 and uh, April 2013, did some contracts here and there. And then finally just said, I'm going to do this. Um, and didn't start like you would know. And I think this is super important. Um, I knew that, so I had a young son at the time. We have three kids now, but our first son was just born. So super young. My wife was uh, desiring to stay at home. And so I was like, I don't want to just keep doing these one-off contracts. This is just a disaster waiting to happen. Um, so it was clear to me I needed to take a different angle. So the one thing that I did different and uh, had an amazing business coach, Casey Graham, who, who really coached me in this direction was I created a course. And the course was basically, it's the same course we have today. It's been updated a few times, but the course was was super helpful because I downloaded everything I knew into this course about social media, marketed it, and you know within three months had a hundred people paying seventy nine dollars a month. And you know it doesn't sound like a lot now, but at the time that was steady income that I knew I would have for the next twelve months. 
Now there was churn and all that kind of stuff. So we had, you know, a churn rate that we had to deal with. But for the most part, I could get, I could, I could, you know, count on five to seven thousand dollars per month for 12 months after the launch of that course. So that helped a lot in the foundation and beginning stages of our business. That's incredible. You know, you say that it's, it's weird. We have this temptation. You know, we just got done hosting a, a business seminar this last weekend at my gym. There's this temptation to believe that a one industry is insular from another that, you know, almost like, okay, Justin, you own this digital agency and you know, you know, that's completely unrelated to how I run my business as a gym owner. But in all actuality, you saying that your ability to sort of scale yourself and scale your mind to to this sort of like recurring predictable revenue product, it this sounds a lot like how we teach gym owners to run their business. Now, was there was there like a tipping point for you where you realized that this sort of one-off contract is not going to cut it? Or was it just a simple, this is complete necessity for me to live the life I want? It was drilled into my head. So the, probably the best investment I've ever made as a business owner was my first business coach, uh, the guy I mentioned already, Casey. And I didn't know much about recurring revenue, but I knew that he knew about recurring revenue and I wanted to know what he knew. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, that makes um, sense. So I paid him a lot of money, more money than I've ever paid for anything in my entire life besides a mortgage and a car. And he told me everything he knew, taught me everything he knew. And from that point on, I was convinced that one-off contracts, having to kill something every month, drag it back into the cave and eat it and have to go do the same thing the next month was just not the way I wanted to live my life first and foremost and my business second. So I really made that decision based on like, uh, I mean, put the business aside. Like I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> yes. No, I'm not afraid of working yeah. hard at all. You have, if you start a business, you don't have a choice. You have to work hard. But I didn't want to work like that. Mm -hmm. So I think recurring revenue, I mean, I don't know how people build businesses without it. I really don't. I think it's probably one of the biggest factors contributing to so many small businesses that don't make it is that, I mean, business owners just get tired. They just get tired. And then they're like, well, this isn't, you know, I lost this big client or, you know, something didn't come through that I thought it was going to come through or I didn't get this contract. So I'm just going to go, you know, trade my business for a cube downtown and live out my life like that. Um, so I don't know if that answered the question, no, but that, I yeah. knew from the get go, I knew that recurring revenue was always going to be a part of our business. No, I think that the lesson in there is, is clear. You know, there's a, you know, when you start that business, I don't know if you felt this uh, with uh, with your company, but it's almost like you start that business and the amount of adrenaline and energy that you have during that initial startup phase is almost endless. But then there's, I don't know if you experienced this, but I had like a, there's a, there's a faucet that is just shut off and you're like, that adrenaline can only last so long. And then it's like, okay, how can this business run without my immediate input to receive that output? Hundred percent. Mm. 
You do. You get to a point where, and I, I feel like I've been fortunate because the best way I can illustrate this is through examples and stories. So early on in those, when I was doing those contracts and even, I mean, we still do one-off gigs now. It doesn't mean we don't do the one-off gigs. It just means the core business, like 80% of our revenue right now comes from recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. But those, the the one-off gigs, um, I've been, I've been fortunate to work with some really amazing people in those one-off gigs who have, you know, turned into long-term recurring clients. I've also had the, the good fortune to work with people who I never want to work with again. Um, and I'm glad that it's a one-off gig (laughs) and I don't want to work with them because I like, there's been a few folks where I see their business model. So by nature of what we do, we have to get to know people's business and their business model. So when I'm led into that kind of uh, inner circle and I see how someone's business works. Um, I, there was one guy in particular I remember talking to who he'd been in business for, I think like 15 or 20 years. And, um, there's only, he's the only one, he's the only person in his business. And he made, I think his revenue is like 500,000 a year, which is great, especially if you're the only one. But when I looked at his schedule, like we have an exercise where we parse people's schedules out. I saw his schedule. It was like, I don't remember what it was now. Let's just say it was like 5 to 11 at night working every single day, seven days a week. And he didn't even like blink an eye. Like it was just normal. And he'd been doing that for 15 years. And you can imagine what that type of schedule does to a person's body, to their mind, to their family. Um, and so what happened was, you know, the first two years out of the gate, he's, you know, he, he made a killing, built a lifestyle around it, and then didn't want to give up that revenue that he was putting in his pocket to hire people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got the big house, the fancy cars and all this kind of stuff. And now he's a prisoner to his business. And so I think there comes a point where if you can't make that transition from running a business and, you know, putting the necessary energy into those first couple years to get it off the ground, if that transition doesn't happen where you're running a business and you transition into owning a business, then you get caught you get stuck. You get stuck. In, and it seems to be in that ceiling of 300000 to $500,000 in revenue. I don't know why. There just seems to be that ceiling of complexity that comes in around that range where you either have to make an investment in other people so you don't have to work all those hours or you just keep your business to a, uh, at a level where you can you you don't necessarily have a business. You have a high paying job that you yourself can handle. Yep, yep. No, I think that's a good lesson. I mean, for a lot of our listeners, uh, they experience that same ceiling that you just uh, described, where it's I okay, I need to hire a coach, or I need to hire a general manager, or I need to sort yes. of like almost create an organizational chart. Which, as sort of like as a small business owner, it, it in a way you kind of get to a point where you're like an organizational chart, you know, I mean, this isn't like a corporate gig, but at the end of the day, like what I'm hearing you say, correct me if I'm wrong, 
is that you know you start this business to almost self-actualize to to live this life that you want to have the schedule that you want and if you're tied to you know if you're tied to that day in to day out schedule you're not going to have the opportunity to enjoy what you spent those years building right right yeah, totally. I mean, you have to go in it with a very clear structure. One of the best books I've ever read. In fact, I've got a stack of stack of them on my table right now that I give to coaching clients. Um, is the E Myth by my or uh, by Michael Gerber, and he walks you through. It's the most practical book that I've ever read on the topic of like how to make that transition and the the phrase he uses over and over is work on your business not in your business and uh it, it it is shaped it is profoundly shaped it's one of the principal foundations of the of our business is that like as a business owner i i am way more valuable to my company working on the business meaning arranging and organizing and systematizing and recruiting that I am actually working in the business. And so uh, Gerber calls them technicians. I was a technician. And I would guess most of the people listening to this podcast are or have been at some point technicians, meaning you do the work, people like the work, they hire you to do the work for them. That's a technician. But he makes the point, and I agree with him, that you have to make that transition from technician to to owner. And it's difficult, it's hard, but it must be done to build a sustainable business that can run without you. Hmm. Wow. Uh <laughs> I love it when the guests on the podcast just kind of tee up all the things that we've been talking about over the last two years on the show. So, uh, yeah, Justin, sure. your check's in the mail. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to oblige. <laughs> All right. So, uh, speaking of technician, Justin, I would like you to take off your generalist hat. Um, and I would like to talk about and, and potentially put a nice little bow on what we've been talking about over the last month on the show. And, and that is content marketing. Now, I think by now, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but is everybody clear that they need to be creating content for their business? Have you ever had a client that is skeptical on this? Uh, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we started, you know, well, I guess almost three years ago now, there was still a level of skepticism that, you know, I would try and spend time and energy to to educate to. But now it's to a point where, um, I either don't have the energy to educate <laughs> to skepticism, yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's just the reality. It's like I need to go to where people are hungry for this already. Mm. Um, and and I in the the unfortunate part, the reality is this: if people are still skeptical in 2016 about the impact, the power, the necessity of social media. There's nothing I can say that's going to change their opinion. Nothing. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is going to take a business disaster for them to change their perspective. And that disaster isn't going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be a competitor slowly chipping away. A competitor that is investing in content marketing, that is investing in their social media presence, 
that is connecting with people through social and engaging with them, they're going to chip away and they're going to put the skeptic out of business. It's going to happen. Would you say that there's the temptation to, you know, I would venture to say that the majority of our listening audience has a an incredible product. Let's just say that, let's just narrow it down to the fitness space. I would imagine mm-hmm. that the people that are listening to this probably have one of the best fitness and coaching products in their local marketplace. And and I'm sure you've worked with clients who are the best furniture maker in their local marketplace, the best coffee mug in their market, whatever it is. Now, have you noticed that you can have the best product ever, but that best product really doesn't mean anything unless people know about it? 100%. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of folks. In fact, those are my favorite types of clients to work with because we were just working with a nonprofit the other day where I got in there and I realized, man, people are bananas for – now, they, it's a little different because it's a nonprofit, but they're bananas about the purpose, about the mission of this nonprofit. It could just as easily be kind of what you're talking about. It, 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 it could be a, a widget. It could be a service, whatever. And that's when I well, that's when I think to myself, okay, I can I can really help here. And if people do have a good product, that's the hard part. The hard part is building something or creating something or organizing something that people actually care about and are helped by. Mm-hmm. The easy part is marketing, and it may not feel like it's easy, but I will tell you, it's the easy part because it's really systematic. It's formulaic. It's it's a process. Um, conversely, what I'll tell folks is a, a good marketing makes a bad product fail faster. Uh, my good friend, Michael Hyatt said that, and I totally agree with it. And the, 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 the opposite is also true. Uh, bad marketing will make a good product fail faster. And bad marketing is basically, well, no one knows who you are, what you do, where you're located. No, nobody cares. And so my, my favorite types of orgs, and I think the folks who have the easiest road ahead are the ones who do have a great service or product, um, but they just need a little help with getting the word out. You know, especially in the gym space, I see some of the best coaches, the best affiliate owners, the best communities just like kind of fall into oblivion based on this misnomer that if you build this awesome product, people will come to it. I I mean, imagine this, Justin, I'm sure you talk about this all day where scroll through your Facebook feed, like how many millions of things are vying for your attention? You know, nobody cares, right? Yeah. I mean, you do have, there is quite a bit of noise now. Mm-hmm. Um, which people have to really think about and it's not going to go away. In fact, it's probably going to get worse. And so our, our, I think our, our, our framework is really helpful to point out at, at this point. Like we, we have a framework that we work within and before we really d- dive into any sort of tactics on the digital marketing side of things, we want to know four things. What's your purpose? Who's your ideal persona? What is your marketing process? And finally, what is your product? Mm. So purpose, persona, process, and product. 
And when we develop those four components, specifically the purpose and the persona, that is really where your distinctives as an organization come out. Um, and so knowing those things and knowing how you do stand apart, knowing what your purpose is and, and who you're going after. I'll give you an example. So here in Des Moines, there is a CrossFit gym downtown and there's a CrossFit gym in Waukee, which is where I live, which is a suburb. Mm-hmm. And the purpose, because they're CrossFit, they're both CrossFit gyms, the purpose is similar for those gyms. Or those boxes. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. I have people th- saying, yeah, he's calling it a gym. It's not a gym. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the purpose is going to be similar. But what's different for those two gyms is the persona. So the persona for the downtown CrossFit is very much, uh, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, it's very much a yuppie. Mm-hmm. No, no, it makes complete sense. <laughs> Young urban professional, right? Mm-hmm. Who wants to get a workout in either before they go to the cube farm, either over lunch, or the last thing after they clock out, or the, the first thing after they clock out for the day. So you speak to that persona in a very distinct way. Now, contrast that with Waukee, which again is where I live out in the suburbs. The persona is very different. The persona there is typically young families, young moms and dads. Not always, but most of the time, that's who you see at those gyms or at the Waukee gym. And so speaking to that type of persona is very different than speaking to the yuppie persona. But So you can't market those gyms the same way. They have to be done completely different because of the persona, even though the purpose is similar. So... What I'm hearing you say, so I'm going to just work, uh, uh, recap this framework that you gave us because I think it's super important to grasp. So we're going to start with your purpose, your persona, your process, and then your product. One of the biggest mistakes that I've seen from gym owners, and I would like you to kind of share with us why this is a big mistake, is that I look at, let's say they do their first Facebook ad ever, and they're like, all right. I get it. I need to pay to play on Facebook. I'm going to put out an ad for my gym. And the same ad that I've seen 400 times is get started today. Now, when I see that ad of like, hey, get started today, here's a link to our website. What I see is that you're you're starting with that product. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You haven't even introduced the purpose or who your who your persona is. So in the case of like your yuppie gym and your family gym, this example that you just gave, get started today really doesn't mean anything for either one of those, does it? No. Okay. You're absolutely right. You're de- you're and and this is the mistake that every business we make this mistake of think digital all the time. And this is the fr- we created this this stink of framework. It, it is just, you just naturally do this because you're passionate about your business and what you can provide people. But if you, if like, I wish I could draw it because it's a triangle. Just imagine a triangle or Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. let's say. And product is at the top because it's the last thing. It's the least important. It's the thing that people care about the least, which sounds weird. That's counterintuitive. But the reality is people, like a better way of doing that might be something like, a blog post 
that talks about um, the idea, like, uh, gosh, uh, I'm putting myself on the spot here, but a better way of doing that might be to say, let's let's write a blog post or a blog series even about the common misconceptions about a CrossFit workout. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, a, 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 a athlete profile. And the athlete profile is is actually your ideal persona in fleshed. Like uh, actually picking someone at your gym to say, hey, this is, you know, Susie. And, and Susie has three kids. And, and Susie, you know, joined CrossFit because she wanted to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And this is when Susie typically comes in and works out. And this is what Susie has to say about her workout. And these are the questions that Susie had before she came into uh, our gym here and doing a blog series on that. Mm -hmm. And getting people hooked with that because there's – there's tons of mis. I know we're focusing on CrossFit here, but it's just because I what's what I know best, and I know that you guys have a lot of listeners, um, uh, obviously attached to gyms. But um, you know, there's tons of misconceptions about what a CrossFit workout actually looks like, about who goes to CrossFit, about you know, I've seen a lot of good posts around, like um, especially with women, you know kind of uh, this whole like, well, I'm, if, if, I'm, if I work out at CrossFit, I'm going to turn into this she-hulk. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? With these rippling, bulging muscles and blah, blah, blah. That would be a fantastic blog series or podcast topic or whatever. So, so you don't necessarily say, and then what you can do is as you write those posts, you can have a tiny little teaser at the bottom that says, Hey, join our mailing list to get more articles like this or join our mailing list to get the full um, blog series on this specific topic. And then you email them through automated marketing, the full blog series. Mm-hmm. And then at the tail end of that blog series, let's say, then you introduce the product because you've captured their attention at that point. You've spoken to their pain points. They know that you're knowledgeable and it's then and only then will they even care about what you have to say. We have another kind of framework we use called know, like, trust, and build. And it fits pretty well with the marketing framework that we have. But the goal is pretty simple. It's like a relationship. Know, like, trust, build. Know, raise awareness. Like, increase uh, engagement, trust, build conversion opportunities, build, facilitate uh, advocates for your brand and so moving people along that spectrum with your content marketing uh, strategy it's like another way of saying it is know like trust and build is first date second date engagement marriage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so people want to jump into marriage when they're when they've just met someone now I'm sure there's a there's rare occasions on the planet earth where that has happened but 99.9% of human relationships don't evolve like that. And would you say that in using that example, most business owners, let's say, were – okay, let's use you as an example, Justin, because I think this works. As far as social goes, you were an early adopter. You know, you were one of these rare occasions on planet Earth where you met somebody and married them right after that first date with social, Right. 
Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that I would agree with that okay. because, uh, and there's no, there's no way you could have known this, but media and media in general has been a part of my life since I was 14 years old. Right. So, and in fact, even before that, I was creating stop motion Lego videos, but from the time I, when I was seven years old. And then in high school, I was on our high school radio station for all four years. Um, then I was on radio in college and then I was, as we talked about an electronic media major. So I think the nature of media has always been, um, social mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in that yeah. it's interactive. Yep, yep. So I think in its current form, it was like the powder keg. I was sitting on the powder keg in the quickness, the speed uh, the rapidness, I guess you could say, of interaction that Twitter, and that's that's been my first love is Twitter, so I'll just mm-hmm. s- start there, was just the fuse that lit the powder cake that I was sitting on. Mm-hmm. So the, I don't know that I was an early adopter more than I've just always been a, an adopter of media, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, having said that, I am an early adopter for a lot of the new networks that come out. Yep. Like, well, go ahead. Cause I'm just going to, st- I'm going to get off topic. Well, no, cause, stop cause I, I would like to, cause I, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is just kind of draw a parallel to your experience in media with our audience's experience in fitness. You know, mm. uh, it's, it's easy to kind of sit here as fitness professionals that have been involved in the industry for a really, really long time and assume that our audience goes from completely sedentary to like long-term dedicated member of your gym. Totally. And I think in hearing your story with media, like this sort of relationship has been cultivated for you over decades. Oh, yeah. And I think it's important for our audience to know that as you create digital content and share this on your social media platform – is to understand that your experience with your product is a long dating relationship with this robust engagement and a beautiful wedding ceremony that has taken place over the course of decades. And your audience is not there yet. I mean, they're still, you know, I think last time we talked about social media, we used like the, you know, dating app example. Like your audience is just kind of swiping left and right right now. Nobody's proposing. Yeah, I mean, the the uh, the hard part about this is like, and, and the the contrast I think is a good one to say, hey, you know, you have to remember that the people, the new people coming into your gyms, like they are at most, um, like doing housework on the weekends and calling that a workout. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's so true, Justin. At most, and so you can't expect them to do you know, uh, overhead squat of 225 pounds on day one. It's not going to happen. Right, right. So they got to build up to it. And what I see happening in a lot of businesses, and this is across industries, is that they are, they're approaching social, I think, cautiously and then eventually adopting it. But what businesses don't have the luxury of 
is that their consumers in almost every single case are more advanced socially uh, with, with social technology than they are. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming the expectation of consumers that businesses are not only on social, but they're active and um, innovative. Mm-hmm. And the speed at which they expect it is doubling. It's getting faster. So there's tons of studies out there that, that go through all this, and I'm not going to – it's not worth kind of unpacking. But what they basically all say is your your consumers, your clients, your customers, whatever you want to call them, um, they expect you as a business to be on social and to be active consistently. They expect it. And, in fact, it's actually shaping customer opinions. So – if you have gym one and gym two standing side by side and by all accounts they're equal or even if one gym excels and has a better product, let's say gym A has a better product than gym B but gym B is is socially active and responsive, nine times out of ten clients and customers will choose gym B even though gym A has a better product. Because likely your future customers don't know the difference between a good product and an average product or even a great right. product and a good product because they're not customers yet. Yeah, they have no idea. That's uh, Yeah, so safe to say, you know, you mentioned these studies, but safe to say generally that customer expectations are accelerating at a faster rate than uh, business owner adoption at the moment, right? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think that's safe to say we, we, we talked to a lot of businesses who are, who are kind of on their heels. Like they've been caught flat footed. Mm. So, um, I want to zoom in for a minute, Justin, and, and we've, uh, up until this point spoken very, uh, strategically on the subject. And I want to zoom in on something. And, and in every episode, I always give our listeners a challenge and, and something that you can kind of like turn around today and do on a tactical level. You mentioned a, a blog series that gym owners should be writing. So this is going to be the challenge to the listeners is to write this blog, Common Misconceptions of a CrossFit Wad. You can go write that. You can. I mean, have you trademarked that title, Justin? Can we own that, please? I, no, no, no. Okay. All right, gym owners, no. you can own that title. So go write this article. And now, Justin, let's talk on a very uh, tactical level where, okay, I'm a gym owner, so let's say I've written – three or four hundred words on the five misconceptions of a CrossFit wad. I've got this blog. I've published it on my website. Everything's looking good. What do I do with this content now that's sitting on my website? So I'm going to take you through our social media system. This is what we teach in Think Digital Academy, and this is how we run content for our clients. So first up is content. We've already got that. We have the blog post. So then we send it out through, and I would pick one channel. Mm-hmm. I would pick one social media channel, and that channel is the one that has the most numbers attached to it, plain and simple. So if you have three, if you're active on three social networks, let's say Instagram, F- Facebook, and Twitter, I would pick the one that has the most numbers associated to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would public, I would publicize that post on, on your, uh, 
on your most popular channel. Um, then what I would do in the way that we have it set up is on your website, make sure where the blog resides, make sure there's a way for people to, for you to capture email addresses. So that's probably going to be an action point for some folks. Mm -hmm. Like get a email capture mechanism set up. Whether and and whether your email service provider is a Mailchimp or ConvertKit or Infusionsoft or Constant Contact or whatever it doesn't matter. Make sure that there's a way for people to join your email list, um, so that when they go and read the blog post, you know a per- percentage of those folks are going to join your email list. And then I would, in your next blog post. Or whenever you write more content, I would send that post to the people in your email list. And I would ask them to share it mm-hmm. on their social networks. And then depending on how the response has been to the post, I would either boost it. Let's say you're using Facebook as your distribution channel. I would boost that post but only after the organic reach of that post has subsided. That's what, and that's what I would do. That's beautiful. Now I want to walk through the steps here um, and, and think about, cause you had given us this purpose, persona process and product. I want to pause for a minute on persona because as you were walking me through this stepwise tactic for sharing this content that you created, uh, you, you mentioned on your website to have an opportunity to capture an email address. Now, as a persona, let's say I go to this uh, five common misconceptions of a CrossFit wad. That resonates with me as I'm reading it, and I give you my email address. What am I telling you as a business owner by giving you my email address at that point? Uh, it's like raising your hand and saying, yes, I'm interested. Um. I I want to hear more. So if you remember back to know, like, trust, and build, they've gone from no to like. And so they're saying, give me more. I, I'm on the second date. I liked what I saw the first date. Let's do a second date. And then when we're in this trust phase, uh, I assume that we're going to continue to deliver the same uh, meaningful content to this persona and it's now after, I mean, we've had, let's see here, I created the content, I shared it on my Facebook page, let's say. Somebody clicks on it, they give me their email address to find out, to find more content similar to this. So I know that they like me, I send them some more uh, similar emails, some similar content, and I let's say I can see on the back end of whatever CRM I'm using that they're opening my content. So now I know that they trust me, and it's only now after, I mean, what would you say, three, four, five touch points that I can now be like, by the way, we have a product. Yeah, it takes like, I don't know what it is now. Well, it used to be like three touches was the magic number, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now it takes upwards of eight or nine touches. Wow, okay, wow. Yeah, because, I mean, just think of the, it's just a, because of the volume. There's no other reason than you have to cut through the clutter. Mm. So the more touches you can have 
by building a system, the better. But, you know, there's no, like, magic. I don't think there's a magic predefined, you know, I, I don't think it's that clean. I think that number is ge- is a general kind of, it's a good guide. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we're dealing with people and we're dealing with relationships with people. And as we all know, those are messy. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much, hey, follow this magic formula, but it is understanding that persona and understanding what it takes to get through to them uh, and how you gain their trust so you can market products and services to them because that's the goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, the goal isn't to just to just do all this just to be a nice person. I mean, yeah, you want help, but you you want people in your gym or you want pe- people to buy your product. It's just way easier to do that if you meet their needs first. And it sounds like consistency is key because people you're right, people are humans. And I mean, God, especially as it relates to their their fitness and their feelings of their own, you know, body and fitness and things like that. Uh, people can be unpredictable in, in that scenario. But it sounds to me like as we consistently put out these things, as we as we execute on this strategy uh, over and over again, that there's sort of this long tail approach to attracting these these personas. Yeah, it is. It's a long play. And lots of times businesses don't want to hear that because they need a quick fix, mm-hmm. but it just it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there are going to be some people, like we always take the the Pareto principle into effect here or the 80-20 rule. There's going to be 20% of people who it's not going to take a long time to get them to go from no to like to trust to build. But 80% of those folks, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work. And that just means you have to start soon. You, know, like you have to start way sooner than you want to. Well, gym owners, I would say that today is a great time to start. <laughs> you have the title. You have the formula. Uh, Justin teed it up for you very nicely. Uh, so now, gym owners, it's up to you. Uh, turn around. Execute on this. Try it, see what kind of results you get, uh, tweak it, but uh, but just continue to plug away. I think that you really get a hang of the sort of rhythm of creating and sharing solid content. Uh, Justin, is there anything else that you would like to, to leave our audience with uh, before we let you go? Uh, if you're driving, don't drink, and if you do, don't drive. <laughs> There it is. Uh, Justin Wise from thinkdigital.co, uh, the Think Digital Academy. Uh, find him on Twitter, Justin, your first love of social. He is uh, at Justin Wise on Twitter. Again, that's at Justin Wise. Uh, Justin from Think Digital, uh, thank you so much for your time, man. You were super generous today, and I think you really gave us all a, a, a good understanding. At least we know. That's the biggest thing. Like We know the strategy. We understand where we're driving at, and now it's up to us to execute on, on the tactics. So, Justin Wise, thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure. And I do want to say, anyone who tweets at me after listening to this and just lets me know that you listened, I'll send you a copy of the E-Myth, the book we were talking about earlier. That 
So a very generous a nice offer. little plug. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, w- we certainly appreciate that generosity, Justin. So listeners, uh, tweet at him and, and get a copy of the book that is, honestly, for me as well, Justin was really sort of seminal in, in, in my business experience. So that's uh, super generous of you. You bet. All right. Cheers. Thank you, Justin. Yep. <laughs>